Welcome back to the Reading Series Podcast. I'm Kate sheeran Swed. I am a science fiction and fantasy author, and over the next few weeks I am reading from my book Outlaw Rising, two chapters a week um, through March 16th. I am reading today chapters five and six, so if you haven't checked out the previous episodes, I recommend you go back and find those either on the YouTube playlist or on your favorite podcast provider. Um, I will be basically reading this book through March 16th, and then on the 17th I'm going to go live on Instagram and YouTube and answer questions, so if you have questions you can uh, drop those in the form in the description that's linked in the description, and I will answer questions on that day. Uh, and lastly, this book is free in ebook from all of the retailers, that's Apple, Kobo, Amazon, Google Play, Barnes & Noble, and Scribed, all the places that you read. Um, in ebook, and so if you'd like to either read along with me or catch up or get ahead on the story, then you can go and pick that up. I will put the note, the the note in the show links, the link in the show notes. So let's get started with chapters five and six. Chapter five. As a kid, Sloane had spent as much time as possible on the moneymaker whenever she'd had the chance. Uncle Vin would show up often out of the blue. And then she'd run straight for the ship, first for a hug and then to explore. When she resurfaced for meals, the grown-ups would be talking, arguing, and laughing, then arguing some more. She'd shovel food into her mouth and dash back to the ship as fast as she could. For hours, she'd play and pretend, crawling into every nook and cranny of the spacious cargo ship. At least, the ones she could find. He was a smuggler, after all, and there had to be corners she'd never found. Back then, the ship had seemed like a castle, a shining symbol of freedom and adventure. Now it just looked old, rusty, like it had seen better days about a century ago. And damn, but she hated the name. It reminded her of what everyone said Uncle Vin was, a mercenary and a thief, a bad guy. But Vin needed help, and maybe he was doing his job because it was a major payday and Maybe it was for some employer who wanted him to shine a light on the fleet's underhanded deeds. But his impassioned speech back at the cafe about the freedom of the galaxy, he'd meant it, she could tell. And even though she should be, Sloane wasn't scared. After running from deadly drones for an hour and barely escaping with all her limbs intact, she should be begging her uncle to drop her back off at the academy, or at home even. But instead she felt energized, excited. That was the part that worried her. As she made her way up from the cabin where she would have stashed her things, had she brought anything with her to stash, she couldn't help feeling a spark of pride, tempered with a fair bit of disbelief that her plan of calling the escort drones had actually worked, and that Uncle Vin had trusted her enough to go along with it. Sure, she'd known the escorts were good, but she hadn't even ever had reason to test whether they'd be able to stop the laser fire good. Sloane took the spiral steps two at a time to emerge in the ship's kitchen area, which apparently also doubled as a strategic meeting area. So that's actually a theme that continues through the series where the characters will all meet at this little table in the spaceship, and those are some of my favorite scenes to write where they're all uh, strategizing, and this is the first one I ever wrote. It was a long room in the center of the ship with a line out of, lineup of counters and freezers on one side and a mishmash of seating on the other. Hilda, the pilot Vin had hired after old Gurney retired, was sitting at the end of a horseshoe-shaped booth. The bench was upholstered in some kind of shiny blue fabric, reminding Sloane of the booths in the greasy diner she and the other interns sometimes visited after a long shift. 
Across the table from Hilda, a woman with a long curtain of burgundy hair sat staring at her tablet screen. She'd set it on the table and was bending cl so close that her nose was a hair from touching it. Vin usually had a few people on his crew, some of them with murky titles that got hand-waved away, but Sloane had never seen this woman before. I found another typo. <laughs> Vin wasn't there to make introductions, so Sloane approached the new girl. Hey, she said, I'm Sloane, Vin's niece. I know. The woman didn't look up from her screen. She seemed about a second from using her nose to flip the page in whatever she was reading. You'll have to excuse Alex, Hilda said. The pilot was leaning back in the booth, arms extended to either side, her long gray braid flipped forward over her shoulder. She's a scientist. She gets really involved in her work. Apparently. By the way, I'm growing out my hair and um, <laughs> I wear it in a braid most of the days and I keep on thinking about when I'll be like Hilda. It'll be long enough for me to drape it over the front of my chest. I just showed this um, for those who are listening in the podcast. My hair is not long enough to do that, but I look forward to the day that it is. <laughs> How's med school? Hilda asked, moving over so Sloane could join her in the booth. Sloane had been long past the days of playing on Moneymaker by the time Vin had hired Hilda, so she didn't know the pilot overly well. She knew the woman had a parakeet, though the bird wasn't currently in the room, and that she'd had some kind of adventurous career before signing on with Vin. That was about it. Sloane slid into the seat beside Hilda. It's school. Hilda coughed a laugh. That's pretty much how I felt about it back in the day. What did you study? Hilda gave her a shoulder a nudge. I didn't. The truth was, Sloane didn't object to becoming a doctor. It wasn't uninteresting, even if she sometimes pretended it was, and she wasn't bad at it. The problem was she didn't think she'd ever be particularly good at it either. She could never quite figure out how to articulate that, though. When she tried, her father said things like, You don't have to like it, you just have to do it. Sloane didn't know Hilda well, but she had a feeling the pilot would be more likely to say, You don't have to do it if you don't like it. A frightening thought. Uncle Vin appeared from the cabin level of the ship, stepping up from the same staircase Sloane had just taken. I guess we're on autopilot, she said. Hilda winked. Currents make it easy. Even though the ride was plenty smooth, much smoother than a boat or even a hove train, it took a concerted effort for her to keep from gripping the edge of the table at the reminder that they were not just on the move, but in a current. Sloane had spent so much time exploring the grounded ship as a kid that she'd forgotten they were actually flying it somewhere this time. She'd done plenty of space travel, of course, summer vacations, ex-lux ex factory outlet runs, random weekend trips to see the parades on Tronin, parades on Tronin. It wasn't, um, it just wasn't her favorite. And if she'd ever traveled by current, it'd be a, been a long time ago. Her father didn't like to leave the center systems. But Sloane didn't want Hilda to think she was nervous, and she definitely didn't want Vin to think he needed to drop her back on Elter. So she folded her hands calmly in her lap and watched as her uncle tossed an open flip tab onto the table in front of her. Right, he said, swiping his fingers to bring up a full laser model display of a fancy building. Alex squawked in protest as the images obscured her view of her own screen, and Vin gave her a pat on the shoulder. This'll be quick. Promise. Sloane expected Alex to argue, but she just nodded and slid her tablet off the table. This job's an easy one, Vin said. By now, the spy we trailed on Vey, the spy we lost on Vey, Hilda interrupted, will have passed off his data to a middleman in fleet intelligence. Vin didn't acknowledge Hilda's interruption. 
but he didn't look annoyed either. Sloane had, Sloan had a feeling it was almost expected around here. Professor Camden probably would have called it insubordination. They couldn't mean vase station, could they? She might be new to all this stuff, but she'd certainly never pictured her uncle doing missions on a luxury station like Vey. That was celeb-worthy stuff. The data's too sensitive for them to pass over the networks, Vin continued, so they'll be handing it off a hard copy. Handing off a hard copy. Sloan frowned. The networks aren't secure? They are secure enough, but all it takes is one double agent to swipe the data and corrupt it or change it so it's missing key intel, or to feed false intel in some cases. The fewer hands it passes through, the better. The only reason they'd use a bureaucratic middleman at all is to hide the identity of their spy. Sloan never would have thought of that. Or any of it. How do you know all of this? I've been in the biz for a while, kid. Vin turned his attention back to the model. Commander Fortune originally sent his regrets to this ball on Anro Moon, and yet suddenly it's on his calendar. Anro Moon. It was impossible to know every moon in the galaxy or even the center systems, but this one rang a bell, which meant it had either been prominent in the news or merited a lesson in school somewhere. Maybe both. But why? Sloane squeezed her eyes shut, trying to recall what she knew about the name. Anro Moon orbited a planet in the Cadence system. That was a middle system. That was the fleet system. Wait, Sloane said. Is this a fleet ball? Vin didn't even have the grace to flinch. It is. Oh, this was great. Just great. Vin must have hacked the commander's schedule somehow if he knew all of this, and at least some of the communications. Of course he had. She could definitely see why the fleet preferred the physical data handoff. Surely Vin wouldn't send her into a fleet ball without all the information he needed to do it. He'd barely been explaining, and already she felt out of her depth. Like she had no idea what she was getting into. She wanted to run away, but more than that, she wanted to lean closer to drink in every drop of information. So, the job's simple, Vin said. Sloan goes into the party and locates the middleman who's about to hand off the data. He approaches Fortune, we cause a distraction, and Sloan snags the data key, copies the data, and transmits it to Moneymaker and gets out. They get their data key back, and they never know it was copied. Hilda untucked a bag of nuts from her pocket and tossed a few into her mouth before dropping the bag on the table. How does she copy the data? Surprisingly, Vin looked at Alex. The scientist sighed, reached down, then set a pair of glittery silver heels onto the table. Of all the things Sloane would have expected Alex to produce, shiny shoes were not among them. The laser model lines bounced off the heels, sending strange sparks through the model and distorting the shape of the building. There's a data port in the heel, Alex said, but don't start thinking I'm an engineer. I'm an astrophysicist. Alex pointed a finger at Sloane as if to emphasize her point. Wouldn't dream of it, Sloane picked up the shoes as much to stop the model from sparking in her eyes as to examine them. Thank you for taking time out of your work to install the ports. Vin gave Alex a slight bow, and the woman settled back in the booth, arms crossed over her chest. She did not look mollified. What was her work, anyway, and what was she doing on Vin's outlaw crew? She didn't look as if she wanted to be here, but maybe she just didn't want to be sitting at this table handing shoes to random nieces. It was hard to tell. The woman's face was implacable, her lips set in a firm line as she stared at the ceiling like she was just waiting for the meeting to end so she could get back to the important work, whatever it was. That's the gist of it, Vin said. Any questions? What's my cover? Sloane asked, still fingering the jewels on the shoes. They were pretty and functional. Always a good combo. 
You're just a random fleet spouse. We created an ID for you based on fleet specs. Sloane set the shoes back on the table. Okay, where's her spouse then? Are they on a tour? At the ball? Are they an important officer? Vin shook his head like he didn't understand why she was asking. He's a falsified file. Recruitment records are easy to hack. We gave him a name, an employment history. I'll get you the necessary information. But what's beyond the file? Sloane asked. Is he a good officer? A pencil pusher? Do people like him? No one's met him. I'm married to him. I've met him. He's fake. Vin looked to Hilda as if for support, but the pilot just shrugged. He said, I don't... Why does any of this matter? Sloane tapped the shoes with her knuckle. I can't play the role if I don't know what the part is. I'll have to talk to people at the party, and they have to pretend they remember me, or at least my husband. That's what people do at fancy parties. You can't just put a name up there with a clean file and expect me to ad-lib that. She might not know anything about spying or heists or outlaw maneuvers, but she knew a lot about phony friendliness, fake laughs, and social climbing shuffle that was the entire purpose for a party like this. No wonder Commander Fortune had originally declined the invitation. He'd probably spend the entire evening fielding conversations from nobodies who wanted to be somebodies and thought he might have the power to make it happen. Yeah, she could infiltrate a ball, no problem, even a fleet ball, but she needed the facts. She's right, Vin, Hilda said. You know she's right. Vin sighed and Sloane stiffened, but then he said, We don't do much direct infiltration. Okay, you set up his backstory, we'll integrate it into the file, but nothing too complicated. Nothing they'll think they should have remembered. The sigh hadn't been directed at her. That was new. Sloane tossed him a salute. No daring heroics. Got it. Can I back? Can I get back to work now? Alex asked. Yes, Finn said. Meeting dismissed. We'll drop into orbit around Anro Moon tomorrow, so be prepared. Chapter 6 The flight deck didn't need overnight staffing, strictly speaking, especially when they were still relying on the current to guide the ship until they reached the Cadence system offshoot. Even then, the ship was programmed to take the exit without any manual piloting. In-current attacks were rare enough to be almost unheard of, but Vin still felt jumpy after the ambush on Elter, and he didn't want to be caught off guard. So while Hilda rested, he stayed on the flight deck, staring off into the blue-green streaks of the current that flowed all around the ship. He wasn't sure he'd be able to sleep in any case. That often happened on the night before a big job, which was unfortunate, but he was used to it by now. When an incoming call flashed across the viewport, his brother's signature obscuring the current blurred stars, Finn couldn't suppress a long sigh. Yeah, he probably should have expected that. He could silence the call, ignore it, but Xander was powerful enough to cause a significant amount of trouble, to get in the way and blow the entire operation. And truthfully, if Vin were in Xander's place, he'd be just as pissed. Xander loved his daughter, and he had to be sick with worry. Vin owed him an explanation even if it had to be a false one. Suppressing a second sigh, Vin accepted the call. What in the blazing honey stars do you think you're doing? Regular curses weren't good enough for Xander, so he made up his own. Vin had tried to tell him it made him sound more ridiculous than cultured, but to no avail. They usually involved some kind of food, though Vin was never sure why. Where's my daughter? Xander was looking out at him from a viewport screen, his dark eyebrows like a mirror to Vin's own. Xander was infinitely more successful than Vin, and taller to boot, which he'd always felt to be an unfair stacking of the decks. Neither of those characteristics showed on the screen, of course, but Vin felt them just the same, his brother's presence looming over him. She's okay, Vin said. 
Xander held up his flip tab and stabbed his finger into the photo that the escort drone had taken. It showed Sloane grinning, her, share, her hair a bit disheveled, but otherwise none the worse for the adventure. Vin, on the other hand, looked as if he'd just gotten chased by a swarm of drones and barely made it out alive. His cheeks burned red in the photo, his hair leaping out in every direction, and there was a smear of blood across his cheek. See, Vin said. Vin leaned back in the chair, feigning casual calm. She's fine. You blew up half the hat-cracking campus. Hat-cracking, that was a good one. <sighs> he was branching out from food-based curses, apparently. It's a big campus, Vin said. Couldn't have been more than a tenth. Less, I'd wager. Xander leaned forward, close enough to the camera to distort his nose. This is not a joke. Vin risked a grin. I know, you never joke. My daughter, Vin. Vin dropped a smile and sat up, sobering. He had taken the call because he owed his brother an explanation. It was just that when Xander's face showed up, it became difficult not to rib him, just a little. But he could see the spark of fear in Xander's eyes. Oh, it was hiding behind a mask of anger, bared teeth, strange curses, all of that, but it was there. His daughter had been involved in a major attack, one that had to be the subject of news feeds throughout the center systems. He must be terrified for her. Vin scrubbed a hand through his hair, hoping he looked suitably contrite. Look, I was in the area. I dropped in for a quick visit, and some of my former colleagues dropped by. I had no idea they were after me. I swear, I got her off the planet for her own safety. Then drop her back. You probably should. Yes, Sloane's help would make the job, and not only because she fits some dress, but dragging his niece into this had been a choice. A deliberate one, not an impulse, at least not much of one. And he'd done it for good reason. The free galaxy was worth preserving. Listen, Vin said, it'd be better if we give these guys a couple days to cool down. Better if she takes a transport back. It'll distance her from my antics. He should be used to the lying by now, but in truth, the necessity still rankled. He and Xander were very different people, but they were still brothers. Vin couldn't tell if Xander had bought his story. His expression was frozen in that mask of anger, his brow crunched so hard that the wrinkles traveled down his nose. Fine. Two days. If you're not back on Elter in two pepper-clenching days, I'll call the authorities on you. Wouldn't be the first time. Vin made his promises, which he sincerely hoped he could keep, and ended the call. With any look, luck, two days should be more than enough to finish the job, at least Sloane's part of it. And if not, well, Vin had to hope that Xander would be willing to forgive him one more time. So thanks again for listening or watching this week's uh, reading series. Um, I hope you enjoyed the chapters five and six. Uh, next week I'll be reading chapters seven and eight, so we're starting to get closer to the end. Um, I did want to say a quick word, a backstory about Alex, um, which I think is kind of funny. She um, always says, you know, I'm not a an engineer, I'm an astrophysicist, is kind of a running joke. And um, <laughs> I laugh at myself on this one because... I had a reader that compared this series, um, it's in a book bub review on the second book in the series, uh, Bounty War, I think, and the reader said, you know, if the worlds of Firefly and Star Trek uh, collided, then it would be a lot like this. And I love that. I thought that was amazing. And I thought, well, I've never really watched much Star Trek, but I think I'd really like it. And um, I'd watched a little bit, like here and there, of course, over the years, but was always kind of more of a Stargate girl. Um, and Sequest and all that stuff. So um, 
when I started watching it and I realized that Dr. McCoy always says, I'm not an engineer, I'm a doctor. I'm not a psychologist, I'm a doctor. And I'm like, is that so much in the culture? I mean, did that come from somewhere? And um, like, did I pick it up or did I just write it, Alex that way? I really, it was not intentional. It wasn't supposed to be a Star Trek reference, but um, I love to have it as a Star Trek reference just because I'm enjoying Star Trek so much. And if you want to know a little more about where I am in the series and all of that, I am giving quick updates about it in my author's log, uh, which is another playlist on the YouTube channel. So you could come and check that out. Um, otherwise, again, this book is free. So you could go check it out if you want to read along with me. And I am going to put the link to the question in form in the description. So if you have any questions that you'd like to answer, you'd like me to answer live on the 17th, then uh, please put them in the form and I will see you next week. Thanks so much.